Here's the question. How do you successfully transition into your first official leadership role, build the confidence and competence to lead your team effectively, and establish yourself as a respected and trusted leader across the organization? That's the question, and this show provides the answers. Welcome to the Manager Track Podcast. I'm your host, Ramona Shaw, and I'm on a mission to create workplaces where work is not seen as a source of stress, but as a source of contribution, connection, and fulfillment. And this transition starts with developing a new generation of leaders. I'm a leadership coach, a mom of three, a coffee lover, and a travel enthusiast. Stick around, because in this show, you'll learn how to think, communicate, and act to become a confident, high-performing leader people love to work with. Let's go. Welcome to this episode of the Manager Track Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about the three big mistakes new managers make and how to avoid them. Now, I could actually probably list 10 mistakes that I come across all the time when I coach my clients who are transitioning from an IC role, an individual contributor role, into their first new manager role. But today I want to focus on three specific ones, because not only are these three specific mistakes that I made when I first became a manager, and I was struggling for quite a bit until I figured out how to become a good leader. And I really invested in my own learning and my training and getting coached and all of that. But on top of that, I also see these exact mistakes over and over and over again uh, with my clients. I want to specifically focus on them and I will probably do another podcast in the future sort of as a part two, addressing a few more mistakes that I commonly see. So let's quickly take a step back and talk about this transition overall. I strongly believe that for many, many people, the transition from an IC role into a manager role is the biggest they go through in their career. Why? Because it is a complete mindset shift. It's not just learning new technical skills, hard skills, on-the-job skills, or being exposed to a new company and a new culture. No, it's a complete shift from what we've learned up until that point. Since childhood, I dare to say, where a lot of times it was about our own performance. In school, it was about the results that we created. We were always responsible for our own success. And oftentimes, we received sort of a payoff based on certain things that we did. For example, we were always the ones who were helping people, we were supporting people, or we were the go-to person for knowledge and information, or we were the people who just got stuff done fast. And those things that patterns that we often developed early on in our lives, those were often the things that made us really successful to the point that we were asked to then lead a team. So this is an accomplishment. It's an achievement that got us here. But like Marshall Goldsmith says, what got you here won't get you there. So once you are in a leadership role, you're not only moving from regular employee to leadership, so you're moving into a different bucket in the organization, which also means you have to represent yourself and the team and the organization overall in a different way, but also you have to demonstrate a new skill set. And those are soft skills. It's the people skill. So you're moving from an expert leader to a people leader, and that is challenging. This is not 
easy. There are a few people and those are the lucky ones. They naturally have this affinity and it all comes really, really natural to them. But for the vast majority of people, this transition is challenging. So again, it's a new perspective on what you represent in your organization and what's expected from you. You need to develop a completely new skill set, those soft skills. And on top of that, your mindset needs to change as well in how you're showing up. So developing this leader's mindset is critical, which is why it is so important to get yourself the coaching and the training that you need in order to be set up for success. And the reason why so many people are frustrated with their managers and then as a result are demotivated or disengaged or just leave the job, in fact, they leave the manager, not the organization, is because when we look at research, we're still far, far away from offering the new managers, like you in this case, potentially, the training that they need. So this is not your fault, right? So if you're struggling or if you're having some challenges, know that this is not your fault. It is the fact that this is a really challenging transition combined with the fact that so many new managers don't get nearly the support needed. A study published by the HR Professionals magazine, in fact, says that that companies with fewer than 100 employees gave only 12 minutes of manager training every six months. Organizations with 100 to 500 employees provide just six meager minutes of new manager training. Six meager minutes. This is almost a joke, right? Because it's like throwing you into the pool. You've never been in a pool, never learned how to swim. And I'm just looking like, are you going to swim or are you going to sink? Let's see. How about putting an instructor in the pool teaching you how to swim. It's the most normal thing in any other skill like swimming or skiing or whatever else you like enjoy. You probably had a coach or a trainer or someone on the sidelines helping you and teaching you the skills. And the same is needed for new managers. There's a range of different studies out there, but the results consistently show that between 40 and 60% of new managers fail within their first two years. So if you're in the new manager role, the odds are stacked against you. And so it's on you to really, really understand this and to get yourself the help that you need. But since you're listening to this podcast, I know that you're on a good track. So you're looking for resources and you're looking for help. And I want to use this particular episode here to talk about some of those common mistakes so you can be aware and notice what's coming up for you and where you might need to pay attention to and shift a little bit on how you're showing up. I also want to let you know that on on May 25th, 2021, which will be two weeks after this episode got released, I will be holding a public training on accountability and delegating. So how to delegate effectively and then encourage accountability on your team. Uh, If... If delegating and accountability are something that you think is important for you, and if you want to learn the tools and practices that I teach my clients to help them be really great at this skill, then join me for this public training. I will link to it in the show notes below as soon as the Eventbrite registration page is up. This is a free training, one hour long, 11 a.m. Pacific time on May 25th. Okay, now let's dive in. The first mistake that I want to talk about is that so many new managers step in and they show up as a superhero the vast majority of the time. Now, the opposite of the superhero is Yoda. So Yoda is in the background. Yoda makes other people more successful, right? Yoda is not there to solve it. 
the superhero is stepping in and he's rescuing everyone. Now, wherever the superhero is stepping in, there's also a victim in place. And this is really important to know because the superhero feels really good solving problems for others. They, the superhero feels really productive and effective, but it oftentimes leads to the fact that employees feel disencouraged or disempowered. So here's how that often shows up. For example, if you notice yourself that you're constantly answering those quick questions, uh, if you're working remotely, you might notice a lot of messages coming your way or, or emails coming your way with people asking quick questions. They either want to get your approval or they want to get your opinion or they need you to solve something. They're asking for you to be the superhero. Now, it's very common for new managers to actually go in and rescue and solve it and be there to put out the fires because that is what made you successful, most likely up until the point that you were, were a leader. But as a leader, you need to balance this with being the Yoda. A lot more Yoda will be required in order to not be the dependent factor and the bottleneck for everyone to constantly give out advice and approval all day. Because if you do, you're taking away the learning opportunities for the people on your team. You're reducing their opportunities to grow and to be challenged. Because to them, the easiest way to overcome a challenge or a struggle is to ping you, to ask you for your advice, because it's probably the fastest, assuming that you're pretty responsive to those things. It is also the safest route, and it's the easiest and most comfortable route to go. So why wouldn't they? It's very natural, but it is your job to challenge them, to be the Yoda in that moment, to go back before you give any, before you give any advice or solve a problem. So you can simply say, okay, I'm hearing this is the challenge. Now, what would you think you could do? What suggestions do you have? If I wasn't here, how would you solve it? Don't give the advice unless you ask them for their ideas and suggestions first. Then work with what they already got. Keep asking challenging questions. Have them think about risks or disadvantages, consequences of their solutions. Ask them, how can you find out? Maybe there is a peer that they could contact. Maybe there is another third party that they could reach out to to find out so that they learn to be resourceful on their own. A phrase that I keep repeating over and over is, let them own the problem, the challenge, the task, and the solution. Because once they figure it out and they are able to overcome that challenge, it's gonna feel so empowering and encouraging, motivating, and they're actually learning something along the way, even if they struggle halfway through. It is in the struggle that the learning happens. It's not when it's a breathe and it's not when they just implement what you told them. That is not when most of the learning will happen. Them feeling challenged and having to be really resourceful, that is when growth will happen the most. And by doing this, you will also train your team members that they don't need to come to you for all the advice and all the approval. Have confidence in them. Trust them ahead of time, right? And say so. Do so explicitly. Let them know. I'm confident that you can figure this out. I trust that you got this. Like You don't need to come back for approval unless XYZ or until that date. 
let them know that you have confidence in them and be really clear on how much power they have and how much authority and agency that you're assigning them with the task. This is something that we're going to deep dive into this training on May 25th. So make sure to register if this resonates. And so when you change these patterns and when you empower them to own the problems and the solutions, what will happen is that it will free up your time, your headspace, and most of all, your productivity. Because constantly being um, messaged and having to respond and being reactive all day will completely erode any of your productive time. Because we know that the moment that we get distracted and we switch attention over to something else... It takes about 20 minutes to get back into the flow. So let's say that you're working on a strategic plan or on your uh, goals or OKRs and you blocked out the hour to complete this task. Then you get a Slack message, for example. You get worried because you think someone needs your help. You switch, you step in as the superhero, you solve it and you go back to your document. Now it'll take you 20 minutes until you're actually back in that same state of flow that you were before and focus. And so your productivity will erode. And what that does is you're now constantly in the weeds and constantly dealing with your team, but neglecting the strategic initiatives and the strategic focus that you need to pay attention to, to elevate yourself. You got to elevate your team so you can elevate as well. If you think about that next promotion, you think about really meeting and achieving or overachieving your manager's goals or expectations on you, you have to create this space in your calendar to work on those key initiatives and key strategic projects. And likely this is also what your manager is looking for you to do, not just to manage your team, but to really drive the strategy or to become more visible by being part of bigger company-wide projects. That is how you will set yourself up for that next promotion. It's not just you and your team. You got to expand your reach and your visibility upwards as well. So that's another nice side effect once you make that switch. And it is the thing that's at stake if you stay with your team and you focus and constantly rescue and help and give advice and approve and you're being the superhero all day long. Instead, become a little bit more of a Yoda. So that was number one. The second mistake that I see a lot of new managers make is that they want to prove themselves to everyone else that they say yes to everything that comes their way. Let's say the manager is assigning them new projects, new things all the time. And it's as if the manager completely forgot that you already have a complete full workload. And so you keep saying yes because you want to please and you want to make sure that you demonstrate that you got this and that you're cut out to have this job and that you deserve it. And it often comes from a place of like insecurity and self-doubt inside, but you don't want to show any of that to the outside. So you just keep saying yes to everything and you're trying to manage feeling completely stressed out, and potentially even burned out over time. This is a completely natural trap to fall into. But when you have the awareness and you realize, oh, this is what I'm doing, I keep saying yes to everything and it's just too much. You got to sit down with your manager, clearly outlining the responsibilities that you have and defining the expectations that your manager has on you, including what to prioritize and what not to prioritize. You may think that your manager knows exactly what's on your plate, let me tell you, that's a complete myth. Your manager is very likely absorbed with their own responsibilities, their own boss, and trying to keep up with everything that's going on. They may forget what they has, have assigned to you a year ago, a month ago, or even a week ago. 
And this week I had a coaching call with someone who said, I can't believe that my manager forgot that they assigned this to me last week. It was literally like four days ago and they already forgot. Yes, that is not uncommon. Don't assume that they know already what's on your plate and that they expect that you manage all of that plus all the other things that they are delegating to you. It is on you to manage upwards. It is on you to bring this back to them, to constantly clarify, to make sure that you're 100% aligned on the responsibilities that you hold and the expectations, including what to prioritize and when. So instead of just saying yes, because you worry that you would let them down, speak up. This is demonstrating leadership towards your manager to say, okay, Mary, um, that sounds good. Sounds like a really interesting project. I'd love to be involved. Let's quickly check on my priorities. Here in an ideally, you can pull up a document where you have all your responsibilities tracked. Again, this is a tool that I teach my clients in the Leadership Accelerator. You have this clearly documented and then you can say, let's look at this. So tell me what to reprioritize or deprioritize or what is maybe something we can move into the next quarter. How can we shift things around to make that happen? Or can we pull in some resource from another team? Or can we delegate something that maybe wasn't delegated yet to a more junior team member and let them see if they can handle it and level up and grow with this challenge so that I can focus on this new initiative? Have that conversation. This is demonstrating strong communication skills and leadership skills. So don't be afraid to do that because the alternative is that you just say, yes, yes, got it, got it when you actually don't have it. And this is when then the ball keeps dropping or someone keeps complaining because you're not as present as they need you to be. And then your manager will lose trust in you because you did not communicate to them or you communicated way too late that you're stressed out. You might go to them and say, I can't do this anymore after everything has been rosy for months and your manager had no idea how you felt about it because you kept it to yourself trying to keep up with it. Don't do that. Let them know ahead of time. To prevent that, you got to communicate honestly and transparently. That is what will instill trust and confidence and it will show that you're ready for the job. Not the yes, I got it, yes, I got it when you actually don't have it or don't want to do it. That is not what's creating trust or confidence. So that was the second mistake that I see many new managers make. The third mistake is not having those difficult conversations because now as a new manager, it's actually built into your job description that you need to give feedback, that you need to help resolve conflict and that you need to have tough conversations. That was not part of your job description as an IC. As a manager, it is. It may not be listed on your job description, but it is implicit that that's what you need to do and and that is exactly one of those skills that we've never learned because we never had to do this in order to be successful and now all of a sudden we need to step in we may need to resolve conflict with people on our teams we need to manage their performance and tell them how they're doing we need to instill this accountability and that likely means that you have to frequently step outside of your comfort zone this isn't easy. And I personally struggled with this for such a long time. I was assertive, but I would also just let things slip. And I would say, okay, maybe it's just me, or I don't have the energy to deal with this conflict. Or 
it feels awkward to say something or well maybe we'll just work around it or I will solve it I will make up for it at the back end but that's not fair it is not what great leaders do great leaders live by this mantra see something say something so you notice something and you're addressing it right away we're going to talk about that in the training on delegation and accountability on May 25th as well Okay, so the idea of seeing something, saying something, and not letting things pile up to the point where you get more and more frustrated, but the other person has no idea. And then all of a sudden, it blows up. So speak up, do so well, leverage best practice in terms of how to give feedback well, how to resolve conflict, all the things that I teach in the Leadership Accelerator, because this is so, so important. In fact, a study shows that US employees spend 2.8 hours a week dealing with conflict. And, and yes, some of that conflict cannot be avoided. But a vast majority of this conflict could be mitigated if people spoke up when they saw something for the first time. They had an ongoing conversation. Because conflict often starts with misunderstandings. And misunderstandings, they then build up because we don't talk about it. So speaking up, learning how to have difficult conversations, learning how to give feedback effectively, and learning how to receive feedback at the same time, and how how to resolve conflict are essential skills to build on and learn early on in your management career. This is what will set you up for success so that you're not doing this on the fly and trying to figure it out on the job through trial and error. And then a year or two years in, you notice you actually don't know how to deal with conflict. Some people may resign because they feel demotivated. Other people may just not perform well. You're dealing with an underperformer that you need to put on a performance improvement plan. And you realize I should probably have spoken up way earlier. Either I could have found out then that this isn't the right fit if I had addressed it earlier and I would have saved myself months of trying to coach and train them and then the team suffering and you suffering because you had to carry their load. Or you could have actually coached that person early on to switch and, and help that person grow and adapt and then create a positive outcome. So let me recap. The first one was to be too much of a superhero and not enough of a Yoda. The second one was to take on way too much and not to manage upwards and not be clear on the expectations your manager has on you, your responsibilities and priorities. And the last one is to not have the difficult conversations and to have them early on and learn how to do so well. Again, if this resonated, I have two suggestions for you. Number one, join me in the free training on May 25th. It's just going to be me and my whiteboard. Nothing fancy. I'm going to give you two tools that I teach in the Leadership Accelerator. One on delegating and one on accountability. I'll do some teaching and I will take questions. The second suggestion that I have is to check out the Leadership Accelerator. This is a program specifically designed to help new managers transition into leadership and be set up for success. It is a 12-week program. It's hands-on. You get the best practices, the training to build the competence. You get all the coaching and support to build your confidence and you'll have accountability in place to actually apply everything that you learn so that your leadership will be at a completely different level 12 weeks into the program. In fact, a recent client of mine said that his leadership practices are now the new best practice in the entire company. People are now looking to his team and to him to pick up on what he's doing all by going through the 12-week program and building up the toolkits and developing those 
effective leadership habits that will help you become a leader people love to work for. The links to both the Leadership Accelerator and to the free training will be linked in the show notes and I'd love to see you over there. And with that, that's it for today. And I'll see you next week in another episode of the Manager Track podcast. In fact, I have a real treat for you. I'm going to bring on one of my clients who is in a head of talent acquisition. And he's going to talk to us about interviewing best practices for new managers. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you're not missing any of our future episodes. And if you found this episode valuable, please do share it along. Pass it on to other friends and colleagues who are in new manager roles and would appreciate having this insight and being able to reflect on how they're doing as leaders and where there might be room for making some shifts to become better managers to their teams. That's all for now. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. If you love this show, then you'll love even more my free training for new managers. If you haven't watched this training yet, then I'll strongly encourage you to sign up at ramonashaw.com forward slash masterclass. You'll discover the key shifts you'll need to make as a new manager and the number one most common mistake to avoid. Plus, you'll walk away with actionable tips that you can apply in your role right away. Go to ramonashaw.com forward slash masterclass to sign up.